Experience the magic of the holidays at the Bull Run Festival of Lights, Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow. Ooh and ah through the winter wonderland where it's always snowing and see the tallest light display yet. Purchase tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Uh, Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Starting a brand new series today called Keep Calm and Bounce Back. Anybody need a bounce back in some areas in your life? <laughs> just push your neighbor. Say, I'm just telling them, say, you sure need one. Tell them. You just look like you need one. It's written all over your face. They said you don't have to say a word. Amen. You're going to get it today. I said, you're going to get it today. I said, you're going to get it today. You're not going to walk out of this place the same way you came in this place. You may have came in here with some issues, but you're going to walk out of here freeze. I, I, I wish you'd praise God in advance if you believe that. I said, Bishop, how can one message make all the difference the same way one word spoken to nothing and created everything? One word makes all the difference. One, one message really can be that, that powerful. I'm preaching the gospel to you today because of one message. Matthew chapter 28, get to verse number one, and uh, we'll look through verse number six. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. They'll put it on the screens for you. Matthew 28, verse number one. Beautiful thing about harvest is so good to see everybody. Beautiful thing about harvest is you can come just as you are. Beautiful thing is in the summer months, you feel free to dress. Of course, you can always just put some clothes on when you come to church. But, you know, touch neighbor and say, just wear something. Just, Just come in here with something. I know you love Jesus, but just you don't need that much freedom. You just need this. But the beautiful thing of it in the summertime, so if you see me in jeans and stuff, don't, don't send me no email talking about why is Bishop in jeans and all that. I may email back. 
I heard that somebody said, and while you're at it, get you some business and leave, let me wear my jeans. Matthew 28, verse number one. Matthew 28, verse, I'm just joking. I didn't even do it. Matthew 28, verse number one. Now, after the Sabbath, the Sabbath is from sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday. So now after the Sabbath is the first day of the week was beginning to dawn. Somebody say that was Sunday. Sunday. Say that's today. Mm-hmm. Now, you do understand after the Sabbath here means after they crucified him, after they spit on him, after they said he wasn't going to be nothing, after they said he was a liar, after they said his life wasn't going to amount to nothing, after, uh, after that, I, I, wish, I wish somebody would just give God an after that praise right there. There is an after whatever your issue is. There's an after. This was after they said all of those things about him. This was after they scourged him. This was after they beat him. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Next verse. It says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone from the door and he sat on it. Look at the next verse here. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. It goes on to say this. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. God, if I had time, I'd work that right there. But the angel answered and said to the woman, who were the women? Mary Magdalene and the others, do not be afraid, for I know uh, who you seek. Uh, you seek Jesus who was crucified. See, what's getting ready to happen in your life is people are going to look for you where they saw you fall. People are going to look for you where they saw you make your mistake. They're going to look for you in your pain, but then they're going to find you in that same place. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. He said, the Jesus that was crucified, you're looking for him. But look at verse 6. He ain't here no more. I know that's not good English, but can I talk like I'm from the country? He ain't here. Somebody say he ain't here. For he is risen. Uh, let me say it to you in another way. He bounced back. You're looking for him, but he already bounced back from this. And y'all thought it was going to take him three years to bounce back, but he did it in three days. Yep. He's not here. He bounced back as he said he would. Can we do something real quick? Lay your hands on yourself. Okay, because I, I need I need to get because because some of you were reading this verse and you hear the people shouting you're like well Lord I hear them shouting but you don't know my where I failed to you don't know my issue you don't know my setback you don't know my turbulence so let me fix that real quick let me fix it lay your hands on yourself say just like Jesus declared he'd bounce back today I declare I'm bouncing back I let go of fear insecurity feelings of inadequacy today I announce. My comeback tour. Today, I announce my bounce back. Jesus announced his. I announce mine. Verse 6, look at it. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Which means, in other words, Jesus prophesied. He said, I just want y'all to know it's going to look bad for about three days, but I'm coming back. Sometimes you got to look at your finances and say, I just want you to know you look a little strange right now, but I just want you to know. Sometimes you got to lay hands on your body and say, you look like you ain't healthy today, but I just need you to know. Sometimes you got to lay hands on your children and say, you look like you ain't acting right, but I just, just as he said, come see the place where they laid the Lord. Father, 
I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now, Father. I, I pray that you would tailor make these words for each of our individual predicament, circumstances, and situations. Don't allow the quirks of our personalities to make us think that this word doesn't apply for us. Today, just like you announced that you would bounce back, today we're announcing that every area in our lives, because it's not that every area has suffered a setback, but for the areas that have, we're announcing a bounce back in those areas. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Would you shout hallelujah? High five two or three people as you take your seats. Tell them the greatest bounce back ever. The greatest bounce back ever. I, I want to say this to you. Everybody's setback isn't the same, but I'm here to tell you, you will bounce back. Everybody's turbulence isn't the same, but I declare that your plane won't crash. Everybody's delay isn't for the same reason, but I declare to you, you will reach your destination. Everybody doesn't fall to the same pit in life, but you are coming out of whatever pit you find yourself in. So I want to encourage you throughout this series not to miss one message throughout this series. I am telling you, literally one word can make the difference in your life. It was one word that changed everything. God spoke into nothing and created everything with his words, which means today, since you have announced to the atmosphere that you're bouncing back, see the process through. Uh, don't just be a one-hit wonder. Come on here. Don't be Milly Vanilli. Come on. You got to have some more hits. Touch your neighbor and say you need some more hits. You need some more hits, baby. You need some more hits. So follow the process through. Bishop, what does that mean? Be here for every message throughout this series so that you can follow the bounce back process in your life. One message is good, but you need them to build on one another. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? No, I says today literally is the day of Pentecost. Say Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost, which is often called the birthday of the church of Jesus Christ. It is the day in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost uh, filmed the people and the gospel began to spread quickly. Jesus, in John chapter 20, he breathed on the apostles and the apostles received the Holy Ghost. And then when the apostles got into the upper room, which was over the tomb of David in the place called the Cynical, the Holy Spirit filled the rest of the people. And now that 120 people that were gathered in the upper room, they became 3,120 people in one day after Peter got up filled with the Holy Ghost and preached a message. I love it because Peter didn't have a microphone. Peter didn't have a megaphone. Peter just had power. Y'all not hearing me? And sometimes when, you've, when, when you're in life, you'll think, I need this, I need this, and I need that. But I'm here to tell you, Pentecost tells us that there are some things that while we may not have the natural means that we have, we do have spiritual means. Listen, what are you trying to say? They didn't have the natural means to reach 3,000 people with the gospel on one day in Acts chapter 2, but they did have the spiritual means to do it because they had the power of God working for them. Uh, literally, power means dunamis. It means miracle working power. Literally, it means it's a miracle in itself that the power is on the thing that it's on it's a miracle that after all the hell you've been through you're still standing and you're still clapping and you're still praising God why because there's some power on you and there's some power in you that the devil wasn't ready for your circumstances didn't know who they were messing with touch your neighbors and you don't know who you sit next to Pentecost, watch this, literally marks the difference between God saving you, that is salvation, and God filling you, that is the Pentecostal experience or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. Salvation seals you, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills you. Salvation means you're His. Being filled with the Spirit means He's in you. Did you get that? I can have a bottle of water all day that's Bishop's water, but until I drink it, it's not in me. 
Are you still hearing what I'm saying? I'm just trying to teach you what Pentecost is so you can get where we're going. Watch this. Watch this. Pentecost, literally, pente, that prefix means uh, five or 50. So it is 50 days following the Feast of First Fruits, uh, which is the day Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We just read about in Matthew chapter 28. It is called Easter by most westernized Christians. Now, check this out. Jesus' resurrection is the greatest bounce back ever recorded in human history. Listen, what do you mean? You may have been through some stuff, but you ain't dead. You may have been through some stuff, but you weren't put up on a cross and crucified. You may have been put through some stuff, but your nails or your hands weren't nailed to an old rugged cross. You you may have been through some stuff, but it wasn't that bad. I I think we can all agree today uh, that Jesus' uh, situation, his setback was kind of a big deal. I mean, he was dead. That's kind of a big problem to try to bounce back from. It's one to bounce back from. It's one thing to bounce back from the brink of death. It's another thing to have been dead for three days to where your body should begin to stink. What I love about Jesus is that often the bounce back comes when you least expect it to come. Listen, so what are you saying? After three days, nobody expected that he was going to get up. Because they said he's been down there too long, so the situation's too bad. Oh, I'm going to help somebody today. Your situation for somebody in here has been so bad for so long, you can't even imagine that a bounce back would come now. But what I need to tell you is Jesus likes waiting until everybody else says it can't be done. And when everybody else says it can't be done, all of a sudden on Sunday morning, Jesus says, come on in. I want to show you work something. I want to have you to have a bounce back kind of an experience. High five somebody say I'm bouncing back. Touch them again. Say, I'm bouncing back. It is the greatest bounce back ever recorded in human history. He was dead. And he got back up. Do you understand this? That's a big bounce back. That ain't he lost his house and he got a new one. That ain't he lost his car and got a new one. That ain't his credit got bad so he had to use cousin Pookie them. Everybody has a cousin Pookie. You may not call them Pookie, but they're the same person in every family. <laughs> you, may, you may call them cousin Todd, but they, they, but they Pookie though. Everybody has a cousin Pookie. It's just that cousin that's just like, oh, that just, you just, you know, just that cousin, you know? Do we understand each other without me having to explain it? You just that cousin. That really just like, I just. You may call them cousin Todd, cousin Pookie. Cousin Ray Ray, Cousin Guadalupe, Cousin Jose, but everybody has a Cousin Boogie. Watch this. This is the greatest bounce back ever told. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Uh, that's exciting, right? That, that after three days, Jesus got up. That's exciting, right? I mean, would you, I think that's pretty exciting. That's pretty incredible. Here's the deal, though. While that's exciting, there is no Pentecost without Calvary. So the church never exists if he doesn't die. Are you still here? And there is no, watch this, Calvary without Jesus' crucifixion. But there is no crucifixion without the place they raised Jesus. Because what do you mean raised Jesus? No, the place he was literally reared. They literally raise him. So let me say it again to you. Uh, there is no Pentecost without Calvary. There is no Calvary without the crucifixion. There is no crucifixion without Nazareth. So here's my first point. No takers only got two points. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, just pretend like you're writing it down so that it makes you feel like you're taking notes. 
Would you do me that favor? It's the church's birthday. Do it for the bishop. Okay. Just pretend. Just take it. Just pretend. Like, oh, that's great. Like you're talking to Siri or something. Side note, ain't Siri been acting real stupid lately? See, what's wrong with her? She, going, she needs to bounce back, too. We're going to send Syria. We're going to send Syria a CD. Because I said, girl, I said, look up so-and-so. I can't find that right now. Wait a minute. We got a misunderstanding on our hands. <laughs> I'll take you back to the stove. Uh, here's my first point. Don't let the facts be your max. Don't let the facts be your next. Now, you may say, Bishop, what do you mean by facts? Well, understand that there is a difference between facts and truth. And I've taught you this many times. There's a difference between facts and truth. Uh, uh, truth, one of the Greek words for faith is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, which means truth. So the truth that is faith, got it? Faith is pistis, is truth. The truth that is faith is what God says about the same situation that your facts say something different about. I'm say it again. Uh, God says something different about the same situation where your fact says something different. Let, let, let me get an example. So here's the truth. The truth is that God supplies all your need according to his wisdom and glory by Christ Jesus because you're a giver. The facts may say your change is strange. Your money is so funny it's telling jokes. That's the fact, but it's not the truth. Which means something can be factual but not truthful. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Let me give you another example. The fact may be the doctor says you've got a sickness and an illness. Thank God for doctors. We need them. But the truth is that doctor isn't the manufacturer. The manufacturer said with his stripes, I am here. So it could be a fact that there's sickness, but that fact does not override truth. Truth eats facts for breakfast. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So now watch this, watch this, watch this. Don't let the facts be your max. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The facts may be you don't know how this situation is going to work. That's not the truth. The truth is before the situation existed, God already had a way out. He needed you to go through the process because there was a principle he needed to teach you that only pain could teach. There's some principles we don't get without pain. There's some principles we don't get without pressure. There are certain things we don't understand unless it happens in a tight, constraining place. Are you here? Say, don't let my facts be my max. So you get the point. Now watch this. The place Jesus grew up was this place called Nazareth. Everybody say it with me. And nothing good was expected out of Nazareth. Matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46, listen to this. Philip found this guy named Nathaniel, his cousin Pookie's friend. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, or Torah, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, but look at me. He said, We found the Savior. In Hebrew, uh, Yeshua uh, Moshiach, Jesus the Messiah. Christos in the Greek, the anointed one, his anointing and his anointed. We found him, the one that we've been expecting to see for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. We found him. Now you'd think Nathaniel be like, for real? Get out of here. What you say? Shut your mouth. What? 
That ain't what he says. Look at what he says. Verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But it's Jesus coming out of Nazareth. But, 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 but Nathaniel said, but we know that nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So you telling me that God in the flesh is coming out of a place where we don't think anything good can come from is ridiculous. Uh, y'all not hearing what I'm saying. That, that, y'all not hearing it. Uh, we have a dual application now for this word Nazareth because first, Jesus' entire life is the story of the greatest bounce back. Not just his crucifixion and resurrection, uh, but, but watch this. He was raised in a place where nobody had good expectations for anybody. Okay, I can see we got to go to work here. He was raised in a city where they said nothing good comes out of that place. He was raised in a family where nobody became anything. He was raised in a family where nobody accomplished anything. He was raised in a place where the bloodlines were jacked up. He was raised in a place where promiscuity was all the people knew. He was raised in a place where drug use was all the people knew. He was raised in a place where nobody ever got out. So Nathaniel says, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And what you need to know is that even your Savior, yes, he is God, but he's also man. He is the Theanthropos. He is the God-man. He is 100% God, but 100% man at the same time, which means while he has divinity in him, he is limited by the, uh, by the finite nature of the earth realm that is around him, which means, watch this, watch this, watch this. Jesus being raised in Nazareth was on purpose. It wasn't on accident. Why couldn't he be born, be raised rather in Jerusalem, the city of peace? Nothing missing, nothing birthing, nothing like it. Because 2,000 years later, he knew you'd be sitting at Harvest Christian Center thinking to yourself, well, I don't really know if God understands what I'm going through because he ain't never been through it. You a lie. He was raised in a place. Where they said nothing good can come up out of this place. Which means the same feelings you have of, well, you don't know my past. You don't know my background. You don't know my issues. He had that too. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was discounted too. They told him he wasn't going to be nothing too. They told him he was going to be just like his no good blank too. They told him he was going to be just like his no good this and that too. They told him he ain't going to be nothing. They told him, oh, he's ugly. They told him he's too dark. He's too light. Come on here. I'm going to hit yours at some point. They told him he ain't good enough. They told him he doesn't have what it takes. They told him he ain't smart enough. He doesn't have the pedigree. He doesn't have the uh, 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 intellectual prowess. They told him he doesn't have the experience. They told him nothing good comes out of where you're from. But here's the second meaning of Nazareth. Watch this. Uh, Watch this. The second meaning is this. Tough situations can seem like nothing good will come out of them, which is true if you say so. I'm going to say it again. Uh, Tough situations. Anybody got some tough situations going on? Okay. Five of us? But the rest of y'all, come lay hands on me. Not my head, but just touch my shoulder or something. Okay, let me ask again. How many of you got some tough situations going on? Okay. My, my, the, the, uh, my, my tailor, um, he, he's learning how to speak English. And so, and so literally he'll come in and he'll, he'll have a little translator, a computer little thing with him, little, little, like, look like a little game board or something. I don't know what it is, but, but he'll, he'll type the words in and translate. And, and, and whenever, uh, you know, whenever, as I started, you know, kind of, you know, changing my size and things like that, he, he, he was like, uh, he's like, oh, Bishop. Now, he's learning English, so I'm not making fun of him. I'm just telling you, I talk. He's like, Bishop, Bishop. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's what he says. He says, how to work a job here. How to work a job here. He's trying to tell me, this is, this is, you want me to cut it so small. This is a hard job to cut it this small and have a good quality. 
You, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Some of you got situations where it's not how to work a job here. And you're like, my life has got some stuff that's going down and got some stuff that's popping off. And I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. Does a neighbor says, how to work a job here? How to work a job? I'm not making fun of them. Do not get offended. If you're offended, please grow up. Watch this. <laughs> now, check this out. Nazareth is not only a place where they didn't expect anything good to come from. Nazareth is also a place, watch this, watch this, where by definition it means bowl. B-O-W-L. Bowl. Now, I don't know what you eat your cereal in. But I eat my cereal when I have my Cheerios with strawberry slices with no sugar. No sugar. Because that white sugar kill you. So I heard from somebody else. You can eat whatever you want to eat. <laughs> watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, I eat it in a bowl, right? Do you, do you eat your cereal in a bowl? I know in Denver we do things a little different, so you may maybe use a plate <laughs> with a fork and you slice yours in little slices. Oh, okay. Bougie. Okay, so, so watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here's the point. Watch this. Watch this. Here's the point. So I ate my cereal in a bowl. Now, here's the, here's the issue with a bowl is that with a bowl, the purpose of the bowl is to keep everything in it in it. I need to get this. The purpose of a bowl is so that what's in the bowl never escapes from the bowl. Unless it gets enough buoyancy to be lifted up out of the bowl. Here's the issue with where Jesus came from. I'm almost done with the point, but I need you to get it. Jesus came from a place that's worse than a valley. Because a valley, at least the valley has perceived exit. There's a mountain over here. There's a mountain over here. There's a valley down here. But at least I know at the end of this, there's a way out. Jesus wasn't born in, uh, what, excuse me, wasn't raised in a place where it was a valley. He was raised in a place where it was a bowl. Y'all not getting the point. It's worse than a valley because there's no recognized exit. There's no recognized way out of it. Somebody's going to get it. Have you ever felt like you have no clue how you're going to get out of the precarious predicament and precarious situations that you find yourself in? Anybody ever felt? You ever said, I look around and all I see is walls. I don't see any way out of this. I don't see how this is going to get better. I don't see how this is going to turn in my favor. But I got news for somebody. Jesus made sure they raised him in a place called a bowl so that if he can make it up out of his... You can make it up out of yours. That's what Jesus specializes in. Getting you beyond every Nazareth. It's worse than a valley. Because I don't even see a way out. It may not feel like that. All right, let's, let's have an honesty moment because I need to get your neighbor free. I need to get your neighbor free. How many of you feel like you're in a situation like that right now? Where you, and you're like, I don't even see this thing. Well, guess what? The enemy messed up. Bishop Howe, he let you come here. If that sucker was smart, he would have ensured that you didn't make it to church today. But since uh, he's got a how to work a job on his hands. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. But since he lacks the intellectual and spiritual prowess to understand that you getting here today 
Was you getting the announcement and you getting the strategy to come up out of your Nazareth? Because guess what? The only way out of the bowl is I got to get enough buoyancy to be able to bounce up out of the bowl. Y'all not hearing me. This series is going to give you the buoyancy you need to bounce up out of that ball. Bishop, uh, bounce is a street uh, urban colloquialism, which just means I'm exchanging one place for another place. Y'all don't say that in Denver? You, you ever say to somebody, I'm getting ready to bounce. That means I'm getting ready to go. You need to look at your depression and say, I'm getting ready to bounce. You need to look at your low self-esteem and say, I'm getting ready to bounce. You need to look at your financial lack and say, I'm getting ready to bounce. You need to look at the generational dysfunction in your bloodline and say, I'm getting ready to bounce and I'm bouncing back. Baby, I'm coming back better and bigger than I was. So what's the first point? Don't let the facts be your max. Jesus was raised in a place where they said nothing good would come out of there. And that's what some people say about your past. You may even say that about your past. You may even say it about your present. I'm so messed up. I'm so this. I'm so this. Can I tell you? Do me a favor. Touch your name and say, shut up, please. <laughs> now, if they look like they got offended, push them and tell it again. This is going in, that's going to get them fully offended. <laughs> I can't believe that, Bishop. Well, <laughs> it's going to mess with them real bad. Check this out. Check this out. But then he's in a bowl. No perceived way out. No perceived exit. Which brings us to our second point. And if I was in the Baptist church, I'd say, and I'm getting ready to close. Which is preacher talk, but I need at least another 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> second point, note takers. Don't panic. Pause, then press. Don't panic. Pause, then press. Now, I know uh, for those of you that uh, are very homiletical and hermeneutical in your theological uh, expostulation of the Word of God, you'd want a point that's a little bit more deep. But let's not, let, let's just get the, let's, let's major in the majors and, and minor in the minors. Let's get this simple thing first. Amen. Touch your neighbor say, don't panic. Don't panic. Pause, Pause. Then press. Watch this. Uh, many many uh, of us are generally familiar with the narrative of Jesus' crucifixion, but I want to show you something important about every step in the narrative. Watch this. Flow with me. Uh, he was crucified on a place called Golgotha. Uh, Golgotha's Hill, some definitions say, which literally means the place of the skull, which is also called Calvary. Everybody still with me? Watch this. This place called Golgotha is believed to be the place of Adam's skull. Okay. Uh, watch this. Bishop, why is that significant? You do remember Adam, don't you? You do remember Adam. He was in the Teshalam. He was in the image and likeness of God. He was the first son of God that ever existed. And, and he's Adam, uh, Adam, uh, meaning mankind. And God gives him some specific instructions, and Adam does not follow those instructions. And rather than Adam bouncing back, Adam chooses to stay in the bowl. And because Adam didn't bounce back properly, we now see this issue where, uh, watch this, uh, all of the thousands of years of biblical history that precede, or excuse me, that proceed Adam's choice to not bounce back. We see now Jesus dying. We see all of that. But all of that didn't have to happen had Adam chose to bounce back. Let me make it clear. When God came and said, Adam, what you doing, man? Where you at, son? All he had to do is say, Lord, we need to talk. Now, you told me not to mess with some stuff. I mess with some stuff. Please forgive me. I ain't even going to say nothing about her, though. That's between you and her. I'm just saying for me. 
Now, I talk to her too once you're done with me. Because you know Adam. Adam wasn't going to just, you know, Adam would be like, you're going to just make a suggestion. Got it? All that do is say, Lord, I messed up. You know, you know what God would have said? I forgive you, son. All is well. That would have been the whole Bible. The end. That's it. It would have been great. Life would have been great. You know what Adam did? Adam's like, huh? <laughs> when you make mistakes, you ever notice how <laughs> you're so fearful? So check out. So Adam panics. So Adam, once he disobeys God, the scripture says that the eyes of them were open and they knew they were naked. So they sewed for themselves garments of fig leaves and then they went and hid themselves. Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting, y'all. Here's what's interesting. Y'all still here? Listen, Linda, listen. (laughs) YouTube it. (laughs) Check this out. Adam has an opportunity to get it right. He chooses not to. And in fact, God even goes so far as to ask Adam a leading question where the answer is embedded in the question. So all you have to do is give a yes or no response. He says, Adam, where are you? Huh? So the Lord's like, okay, let me help him through. How to work a job here. Let me help him. Adam, did you eat from the tree I commanded you not? Say again, Lord, we're breaking up. Bad reception. I got Sprint or it's Cricket or whatever. <laughs> so let me call them all now so I can be Verizon, Metro PCS. We thank God for all of them. Boost Mobile, Virgin Mobile, Jitterbug. You know what he says? He says, the woman you gave me to be with is her fault. In other words, he said, God, I could have bounced back in this moment but I chose to make an excuse. Today, I want to submit to you that you've got a choice once you hear this message today. You can either keep making excuses for staying in your bowl. Or you can say, Lord, maybe the reason this situation, that maybe it was me. But today, I choose to bounce back correctly. So watch this. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. So y'all remember Adam, right? Now check this out. It was necessary then for Jesus to be crucified on Golgotha's hill so that Jesus was crucified at the same place where thousands of years later, Adam messed up. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Jesus had to be crucified on the place of Adam's skull so he could go back and undo what Adam did, which means when I'm in Jesus, it's just as if Adam didn't do what he did because Jesus went back to that place. Stay with me. Touch your neighbor say, don't panic. Pause. Then press. Now, 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 check this out. 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 God never expected you not to fall. In fact, God expected you to have setbacks. God expected you to have turbulence. God expected you to have issues. You know, I know because he says it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. In other words, he was like, it's going to storm sometimes. And, and you know what? The Lord gave, gave some prophets a song a few years ago. He said, sunny days. Everybody loves them. But tell me, I forgot this is Denver. So that was a uh, New Jack Swing group called New Edition. They had a song called Can You Stand the Rain? And they just was asking a question. Can you stand the rain? Check this out. Jesus knew we were going to have issues. 
touch, touch your neighbor and say, he's not shocked. He's not shocked that you were hurt. He's not shocked that you were betrayed. He's not shocked that you made a bad decision. He's not shocked that you made another bad decision to fix the first bad decision. He, he's not shocked. He never expected us not to fall, but he is expecting us to bounce back. Now, check this out. While in your fall, your turbulence, your situation, instead of panicking, we must pause, then press. Check this out. Panic, by definition, means this. The sudden sensation of fear which prevents reason and logical thinking, replacing it with overwhelming feelings of anxiety and frantic agitation consistent with an animalistic, uh, excuse me, animalistic fight or flight reaction. Business translation. Panic is when you act crazy to fix crazy. Another translation, panic is when you use fear to fix fear. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you stop thinking logically, and now you begin to think like that situation you're in is going to be the end. So now you act as if it's bigger than it really is because you're in a panic. When you're in a panic, what's in front of you always looks far more grand than it really is. Can I submit to somebody, your problem is never as worse as it originally looks because normally your first look is looking at it through a panic, not through logical thinking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so now watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, while in your fall, your turbulence, your situation, instead of panicking, we must do what? Pause. Say it again. Say it again. Check this out. Here's what I found out about this word panic. I found out that this word panic, watch this, uh, in the Greek, it, it comes from the shepherd god Pan. P-A-N. You missed it. Our word panic comes from Greek mythology for a shepherd god named Pan. And he used to scare the herds of sheep and goats. And he would scare them to where they would begin to run and trample over one another. Mm. You're not getting it. He was a shepherd god in Greek mythology. Y'all still ain't getting it. Y'all still ain't it. Which means when we panic, what we're really doing is worshiping a false god. When we panic, what we're literally doing is we're now responding to the, uh, to the uh, agitation of something that is false. Notice it says he was a shepherd God. That's what the scripture says. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Well, now wait a minute. When you panic, pan is your shepherd and you in a whole lot of want. Oh God, are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? So now watch this, watch this, watch this. Instead, I says we don't panic. What do we do? Pause then press. Say it again. Here's why we pause. We pause so we can remain in purpose. That's how Jesus kept on going through to what he was going through because he knew he had to shed his blood because that was his purpose. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abnormally use a thing, which means you will abuse a thing. Got it? Scissors are not meant to screw in screws. Now, I know. In your neighbor's house. Scissors are screwdrivers. Butter knives are screwdrivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know that's funny. Check this out, though. But that's not its purpose because that's not its reason for creation. When I don't know the purpose of what I'm dealing with, it can make me abnormally use the process of what I'm going through. 
I'm, I'm going to say it again. If I don't know why I'm going through it, then I will think that it's wasted. Jesus knew he had to go through that process of the crucifixion because his purpose was to shed his blood. Bishop, what are you trying to say? With whatever you're dealing with in your setback and in your situation and in your issue, you need to understand there is a purpose. Watch you. Some of you are saying, but Bishop, I'm the one that messed up. Can I tell you, your God is so awesome that even when you're in a setback because of your own actions, he still takes what was meant for evil and turns it for good. Even if you're in a setback from your own actions, he'll take what the enemy meant for evil against you and he'll work it together. For we know that all things work together for the good of them, which means even if it's good, bad, or ugly, it's still working for me. Just the neighbor said, there's a purpose in it. See, please understand, please understand, there was some stuff that you wouldn't listen to except you be in pain. There was some wisdom you wouldn't heed until you started to hurt. There's some lessons you wouldn't, you wouldn't pay attention to until you got in pain. Please understand, the prodigal son, while the story is unfortunate that he had to go through that hell, it's actually very beneficial and purposeful that he went through that hell because he learned, I bet you the next time daddy said, no, I'm going to say, okay. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Some of you, you're in a situation right now, and don't, you, don't it let you get you down. Don't it let you get discouraged. Just say, I bet you next time. God, I wish I had a church in here. Just the neighbor say, stop beating yourself up. Stop being, there's still a purpose in what you're going through. You're getting stronger. You're getting better. You're getting wiser. You're finding out that there's stuff in you you didn't know was in you. You're dealing with your bitterness. You're conquering your unforgiveness. There's a purpose. Somebody shout, there's a purpose. So watch this. Watch this. Jesus knew he had to shed his blood. Y'all still with me? Got 10 more minutes? I'm going to take them either way. I'm just trying to be a good Christian. Watch this. <laughs> First, Jesus had to shed his blood because blood was required to create a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between God and men. So literally, Jesus had to shed his blood so that we could enter into the renewed covenant or the new covenant. The new covenant is better than the former, which is the Mosaic covenant, which is the law of Torah. Because Torah said we had to keep the 613 mitzvah of the law plus the Mishnah plus the Talmud, the interpretation of the law, which is very interesting because that's too much to try to keep. We're working on the 10. You're still trying to figure out the Ten Commandments. So could you imagine keeping 613 of them plus a bunch of extra ones? I mean, you just be breaking the law all the time. In fact, they had a law about how to wash your hands, which is why they attacked Jesus' disciples one day because they weren't washing their hands right. They was like, you know your disciples, when they wash, they don't do it the way we told them to wash. This one hand touches the other hand, so they didn't mess it all up. They got to go do it again. Could you imagine that? Check this out. So the renewed covenant... Is, is cut or put into existence because Jesus shed his blood. Here's the second thing, though, is he knew he had to shed his blood because blood was a form of redemption. Redemption means to buy or to pay for something because it's the greatest price that can be paid by any living thing. Life comes from the blood, so if I pay for it with my blood, I paid for it with my life. So now it was the greatest form of redemption that could take place. So y'all still here. Check this out. Every place then where Jesus shed his blood, he was literally buying something for us. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. Every place. No, 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 no. He's in a setback. He's in turbulence. He's in a tough situation. He's got a hard work a job here. You still here? But he kept pressing through it. Because he knew it had purpose. 
And the purpose was if I don't shed my blood in each of these places, they won't have been given the tools they need to succeed. Okay, let me walk you through it. One of the first places he shed his blood, Luke 22, 41 through 44, they'll put it up on the screens and you can just read it in your own time. In the garden of Gethsemane, say Gethsemane. Check this out. His turbulence became severe. And instead of panicking, he paused and he prayed. A stone's throw. So that's not that far. Check this out. I'm sure the disciples was running their mouth. Like, what's wrong with Jesus? Jesus, watch this. I know what they did. Jesus, everything okay? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. All the married men know exactly what I'm talking about. What's wrong? What's the matter? Want to talk about it? Why are you so sad? Why are you down? Put a smile on that phrase. Replace that frown. Just talk to me. Let's talk. I'm sure the disciples are like, what's wrong with Jesus? I don't know. You go talk to him. All right. Jesus, you okay? You want something to eat? <laughs> Got some of these boiled ham sandwiches in here. You want me to eat ham sandwiches? <laughs> Jesus is like, I'm a Nazarene. No, I can't mess with that swine, but that's fine. Right <laughs> Thank God I'm not one. Praise the Lord. I love ham sandwiches, bacon sandwiches, bacon wrap sandwiches, bacon wrap jalapeno sandwiches. Uh, you understand? Check this out, y'all. Y'all still here? I'm sure the disciples were kind of working Jesus a little bit because Jesus is now in the greatest setback of his life. He's in the greatest, most difficult moment of his life. And the scripture says that in that moment when it got severe, instead of panicking, he prayed. Now, check this out. That doesn't mean he didn't experience stress, but he didn't panic because he didn't lose his logical thinking. How do you know that, Bishop? Because he had enough sense to say, let me pray. Why? Because Jesus said, if I don't pray, I might say something that's going to mess this up. If I don't pray, I might start speaking negative. If I don't pray, I might start speaking down. If I don't pray, I might start confessing things I ought not to confess. So let me shut my... Every now and then, you just need to stop the panic and take a pause. You just need to literally sometimes put your fingers out like you're hitting the DVD player and just hit pause. Some of you remember the tape player? Put your fingers out like you're hitting the tape. Yes, sir. Because if you get into a panic, you will make bad decisions. And now you'll need another miracle to fix the bad decision that you made because you were in another bad decision. Anybody know what I'm talking about where you ever made your bad situation worse because you made a worse situation to make your worse situation better? That's because you didn't pause. You just panicked. But the good news is, even if you had a panic yesterday, when you got up this morning, the scripture says there are new mercies goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life now watch this watch this in fact uh, jesus experienced tremendous stress in fact he experienced uh, uh, a uh, uh, physical phenomenon called hematidrosis it's where in times of stress your capillaries can't open and when they finally do they burst and blood flows out through your sweat glands so literally the scripture says jesus he he was began to sweat great drops of blood But he shed that blood in a garden. He paused and prayed so he could keep pressing. Because he knew I got to shed some blood in this garden. You're missing it. 
He shed his blood in a garden. Why didn't he shed his blood in a mountain? Why didn't he shed his blood in a boat? Why didn't he shed his blood under a coat? Why? I'm out of stuff. Greens, eggs, and hams or something. Why didn't he? Ran out of stuff. Uh, why didn't he shed his blood somewhere else? Check this out, y'all. Because it was in a garden. Remember, he's on, he's on his way to Golgotha, the place of Adam's skull. So watch this now. In Genesis 2.15, it was the garden where Adam surrendered his authority and power to the enemy. So it was a garden that had to be the first place that Jesus shed his blood. Why? Because he was saying, I'm going back to where Adam messed it up. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. And literally, Gethsemane means oil press. You do know that the oil press is the place where the olives are pressed and crushed so that the oil comes up. The olive isn't very expensive by itself, but when you press it and crush it and get the oil, the oil is very expensive. This is what you're trying to say. It is in your pressing that the best of you comes out of you. It is in your pressing that the best of you is manifested. It isn't on your mountaintop days where you find out what you're made of. It's in those days where you think, I can't take this another moment, where you find out what you've been made of. Jesus was in a place called the olive press. But another thing, that, that word Gethsemane has a dual meaning. It is not only the oil press. Check this out, y'all. It is also means, listen to this, it means estate. Property, entitlements, or benefits. Jesus shed his blood in a place where it was very pressing. But in that place where it was very pressing, he was securing some property, some entitlements, and some benefits. Now, wait a minute. Come here, Harvest. I teach you well, so you ought to know this. Adam messed up in a place called the Garden of Eden. Eden means the land of voluptuous living. So when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, let me re-secure your property, your entitlements, and your benefits. Not because you've been so good, but because I've been so good, he says. Y'all missing it. He was saying, he was saying, here's what he was saying. He said, Adam, everything you gave up, I'm resecuring. Adam, you gave up health. I'm giving it back to him. Adam, you gave up uh, prosperity. I'm giving it back to him. Adam, you gave up not having to be depressed. I'm giving it back to him. Everything you gave up, Adam, I'm giving it back. But the second place he shed his blood is found in Matthew 27, 26. He received 39 stripes. This is why for our physical and emotional health, literally they took, they took it and they beat him to where pieces of his flesh would come out. Blood was everywhere. He was beaten beyond recognition as a man. And can you imagine going through that and being 100% able to stop it, but having to choose to endure it? He could have just said, okay, I pull executive rank. I'm God. Die. He didn't. He was there. See, that's power. Power is when you could do it, but you know to restrict it. Let me tell you how you know you're powerful. Because the old you would have just cussed him. I know you don't deal with this, but that neighbor of yours used to cuss folk out. Uh -huh, they sitting up in church today, but you need to know the truth about them. But now you're able to subdue 
The old you would have ran into a frenzy in a tailspin, but now you're like, well, the Lord. Jesus had full power to just let him have it. He chose not to do that. Are you still here? Now, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. They beat him. 39 stripes on his body. Why? For our physical and our emotional health. You know you can be physically well but very emotionally ill, which causes your physical health to go. First Peter 2.24 says this, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes, read it with me, y'all. You were Come on, Harvest, read it with me. You were what? You Say it again, Harvest, what? You were well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Were healed? Were is past tense. Well, now, wait a minute. We got an issue here. Because how is it that I were healed, yet somebody may be presently ill? Bishop, I don't understand. We have a conundrum. Let me fix you. Let me fix you up real quick. Uh, That word heal is the Greek word iome, which means cured, healed, or made whole. Check this out. Which means Jesus said, I'm shedding my blood and taking these stripes for your physical and your emotional health so that when you run into issues 2,000 years later, it's not an issue of if I want you to be healed. It is not an issue of if I want you to be emotionally well. I settled the issue when I took the stripes. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Stop saying, Lord, if it's your will, just take this pain from me. No. That's the wrong prayer. You better get a glimpse of what his will is. When he took the stripes, he was saying, I've settled the issue that I don't want you to have that issue. So healing is not a question of God's will. It is a question of our knowledge of what he's already done and appropriated. It ain't if he wants you to be healed emotionally. It's just, do you want to be healed? And I got a question for somebody after this worship experience today. Do you want to be made well? Do you want that pain and that bitterness out of you? Because if you do, he paid for it. And I don't know about you, but when I find out somebody bought something for me, I treat it like I bought it for myself. Okay, let me just preach like I want to in here. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I find somebody said, Bishop, we got you a gift. I treat that gift as if I spent my own do-re-me to go get that thing, and I treat it like it's mine. You got to start treating healing like it's your own. I refuse to be in bitterness. I refuse to be messed up. I refuse to walk in unforgiveness. It's mine. Somebody shout, it's mine. But then the next place he shed his blood, we find in John 19, 2 through 3, where they put a crown of thorns on his head. Notice the scripture calls it a crown of thorns. It's almost a paradox in nature because how do you have a crown of something negative? Thorns implied that they were negative, but the thorns were necessary to pierce him. Because the stripes were on his body, but not on his face. So the crown of thorns had to be placed on his head so that the thorns could pierce him so that the blood would begin to flow because wherever that blood flowed remember he was creating a new covenant but then he was also buying something for us you don't hear what i'm saying so when they put the crown of thorns on his head they were mocking him thinking that they were hurting him and physically they were hurting him but in them hurting him they were helping us 
Okay, Bishop, why? Because when they called it a crown of thorns, they meant it as a negative. But please understand, Jesus was giving us the access to Revelation 1-6. And he has made us to be kings and priests, which means because they put the crown of thorns on his head and his blood touched the crown, that means we have a right to walk around like bosses. All right? We have the right to walk around like kings and priests. I'm going to tell somebody, stop just letting life happen to you and you start happening to life. Stop just taking life, laying down and rise up and say, there's something greater in me. There's something great, big in me. God didn't create me to just pay bills and die. He created me to do something great. <laughs> Revelation 1, 6, and he has made us kings and priests. Priests are spiritual people. Kings run stuff in the world. And he's made us both of them, which means it's not whether I get to succeed or serve Jesus. No, nope, I get to succeed and serve Jesus. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? It's not either or, baby. This thing is and. But now watch this. But then also when they placed that crown of thorns on his head, one of the thorns, as they placed it on his head, it pierced his brow. His brow right here. Right there. Now. You know where your eyebrows are? They're right here. Now, Bishop, why is that significant? Well, because in Genesis 3 and 19, there was a curse or an empowerment to fail that was issued. And that curse, look at the Lord, it's done. Don't want to make sure you get the message. He opened the floodgates, didn't he do it? Yes, he did. Amen. Watch this. Genesis 3 19. Redeemed from the curse. Uh, watch this. Watch this. Look at Genesis 19. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of you are taken, for dust you are, for dust you return. That's why at funerals and, 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 and celebrations of life, they'll say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Why do they say that? Because this verse right here. Check this out, though. Look at, look at the curse. He says, In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Wait a minute. In other words, he's saying, Everything you get, Adam, you're going to have to work real hard for. See, that's why, that's why some stuff, when, when stuff comes to you easy, sometimes you don't, really, you don't really appreciate it the way you should because Adam says, I didn't work hard enough for it. But you don't understand Jesus. Jesus said, I, I, I was pierced at my brow so that there's some stuff that if you just walk in what I've ordained, it don't have to be hard. Stop thinking you got to be an actress on the color purple. Stop thinking you got to be an actor on the color purple. It don't have to be all your life you got to fight. God, y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said, I needed my blood to be shed on my brow so that I could undo what Adam did, which means everything doesn't have to be so hard. Everything doesn't always have to be a struggle. Everything doesn't always have to be an issue. You have work with people where everything is an issue to get something done. You're trying to walk across the, walk across the room, and it's just, it's just hard. Hard to work a job here. But watch this, watch this, watch this. Touch, touch your neighbor, tell him, say, say this bounce back is going to be filled with sweatless victory. It's some stuff you ain't even going to have to fight. It's some stuff I announced to you, you're just going to wake up and it's going to be right. You're just going to wake up and it's going to be fixed. You're going to get on your online banking and say, what the world, where this come from? You're going to look at your credit report and say, how did this go? Why? Because Jesus' blood wiped the curse. But then I watch this. But watch this. I'm sure when that blood began to flow because he was pierced, that that blood, watch this, it, it, it fell to his eyes. Which means the blood covered his eyes. Well, why, Bishop? So that, watch this, I don't walk by sight. I can start walking by 
faith, which I've learned is truth. Now, check this out. But I'm sure that blood also touched his ears. Why did it touch his ears? Because the biggest issue many people have is not God speaking. It's their hearing. So the blood touched his ear. But I'm sure, y'all, that the blood didn't just stop on his ear. I'm sure because they didn't have Carmex in those days. That Jesus, you know, he had been outside for a long time. It was hot. So I'm sure Jesus had to lick his lips. Right? You know, while he's saving the world, paying the price for all mankind, he's like, yeah, let me lick my lips. Just, you know, break up the chapel a bit. I'm being funny, but I want you to catch the point. The blood touched his tongue. But so why is that significant? No, because if the blood touched his tongue, that tells me that he was redeeming me from speaking negativity. Y'all not getting it. So the blood not only touched his brow, but it touched his eyes, touched his ears, touched his tongue, which means we don't walk by sight or senses anymore. Now we walk by faith. Because remember, your sight or senses see facts, but you got to walk by faith, which sees truth. So the facts may be you're in a Nazareth right now, but that is not the truth. Why isn't that the truth? Because the scripture says he's already given me a way out. He's already made a way out of no way. He's already given me a way of escape. So look at this. Next place. Uh, he, he shed his blood. John 20, 25. They pierced his hands. They pierced his hands so that whatever we touched, it would prosper. Amen. Sometimes in life, it's not so much that you discover you who you are. Sometimes you create it. Had Elisha been left to discover who he was, he would have been nothing but an ox herder. He created it because he submitted to Elijah, and Elijah said, come follow me. Y'all miss what I'm saying. In the Hebrew culture, when you weren't good enough, everybody wanted to be the men of God in those days, and so when you weren't good enough, they, the rabbis would say, go and do your father's trade. So everybody that Jesus found, they were going to do their father's trade. This was a trait that happened throughout Scripture. So if somebody was doing a family business, you knew they weren't good enough to, be, to, to apprentice the men of God. To, to, to be the understudies of the men of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so, so now watch this, watch this, watch this. Which means because Jesus' blood was shed on his hand, that means whatever my hand touches. That, that's why other folk that are going through tough times on your job, but yet they keep creating positions for you. They keep creating overtime for you. They keep creating ways for you to make more money. You want to know what it is? Because Jesus said, my hand. And that's why some of you, you're sitting up saying, well, Bishop, I don't have a job. I'm on unemployment. But have you noticed how you're making it? <laughs> have you noticed how you ain't lacked for one meal? Have you noticed that God is still keeping you? All right, watch this, watch this, watch this. I got to move. Uh, then they pierced his feet. That's there, John 20 and 25. Which means this, which means this. Uh, wherever we step... He was buying that place also. Because remember the blood, it was, it was for redemption. So it was used to purchase or to buy back. Got it? Guess this. So now, watch this, watch this. Wherever we step, the blood has already pre-prepared for us. Psalm 37, 23. And the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Well, what's a good man? Well, a righteous man. What's a righteous man? Somebody that is in Jesus because it's being in Jesus that makes us righteous or in right standing with God. Okay, Harvest, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I have a question. Are you still afraid of failing? 
Okay, but, but, but now tell them, say, Bishop's going to answer. Uh, let me tell you the answer. They're not as much as they used to be. You know why? Because they just found out that their feet are covered in the blood. Which means even if they take a step that's a mistake, or even if they take a step that's in the wrong direction, the blood's got that thing covered. And what I'm here to tell you, even if you're in a place where you took a misstep and had a mistake, the blood's got that covered. You, you're getting ready to have your bounce back. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm having my bounce back. But look at this next one. Look, look at this next one. Look at this next one. Uh, they, they pierced his side, John 19:34. They pierced his side, uh, which literally means side there in Greek means through the ribs. Through the ribs. Well, where would you try to get to if you're going through the ribs? You would get to the heart. They pierced his heart, and he began to suffer internal bleeding. Here's what I need y'all to get. Here's what I need you to get. In the Bible, when you see the word heart, it's not talking about your blood pumper. It's talking about your mind. See, in your Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word leb, L-A-B, which means mind. In the New Testament, it's the Greek word cardia, which means mind. Take this out, Harvest. I'm almost through. They pierced his heart, which for you and I is our mind. You still with me? Check that, Bishop, Bishop, what are you saying? For many of us, the issue with bouncing back isn't that we don't have what we need to do it. For many of us, the issue with bouncing back is that we've got all of these heart issues. All of these mind issues. Because now you've developed fears you didn't have before. Now you've developed insecurity. Y'all better listen. The Lord trying to tell you. Now y'all better start shouting in here. <laughs> Come. <laughs> Any, listen. <laughs> now watch this, you harvest. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You ever wanted to say, you know what? I'm just going to have faith. I'm going to do it. And then your mind came and said, come here. You remember last time you tried. You ever thought to yourself, I'm, I was wrong, so I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And your mind said, come here. Why are you doing that? You were the one treated wrong. You were the victim in this situation. Because you're always the victim in every situation. People are just doing you wrong. It's like a merry-go-round. Round and round again. <laughs> that's good, y'all. That's good. I want to sing that for praise and worship next Sunday. Just <laughs> and do a dance. Be like, round and round. And then let's break it into parts and stuff. It'd be great. It'd be beautiful. <laughs> Teddy Rattle, call Teddy. Have him play for me. <laughs> praise. <laughs> oh, praise. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm sorry, Denver. I forgot where I'm at. So, Teddy Riley is a New Jack Swing music guy. Google him. You, you ever felt like, today's going to be a good day? And then your mind was like, come here. But look at all that, though. You ever thought, I'm having my bounce back. I'm elevating. Last series, I'm elevating. And then your mind was like, come here. My video game, people are like this. There, there, was, a, there was a video game called... Um, a combat of some kind of mortals, and and one and one of the characters on there, one of the characters on there, his name was Scorpion, and he had this thing came out of his hand, and he it be, so it was like it was like back back B, I think it was like back back B or something like that. It's like back back, y'all know it's like back back B, like back back B. Is it back back B? I don't know, I don't know. Like back back B, and he was like it, this thing shot out of his head. He was like, come here, you. I mean, come. Here. 
All right, so let's, okay, let's do it. Okay, you come. Okay, you stand up. Come on. So you sub-zero. Come on. You sub-zero because you got blue on. Okay, put, give, uh, put your pad down. Okay, so, and then I'm scorpion. Okay. You got to have fun at church, man. I don't know. Listen, if you want to just sit back and be all boring, you go somewhere else. All right, so he, he was like, and then scorpion was like, back, back, B. Come here, you. And then he was like, came. See? That's what your mind will try to do to you sometimes when you're bouncing back. Thank you, Sub-Zero. <laughs> Down, back, B is how you do the little, the little, the little uh, freeze, the freeze shot. There you go, the freeze shot. All right, watch this. Watch this. Somebody like, OMG. Okay. Jesus dealt with all of these internal issues. So that his blood was shed all throughout his body. So that all of the internal issues we would deal with, we'd have a way out of. Through the blood that he shed. Do you understand this? He was pierced in his side. In his heart. So that when you and I are sitting today, because sometimes you can't bounce back because you're bitter. And sometimes you can't bounce back because you won't forgive. And sometimes you can't bounce back because you won't forgive yourself. And sometimes you won't bounce back because you don't trust yourself anymore. Watch this. But something interesting happened. Blood and water flowed out. Now, now this is very interesting because the, the first time uh, in all the other places, it was just blood that was shed. But now when they pierced his side, both blood and water came out of the same wound. Now, wait a minute. We got a paradox here because how does blood and water came from one wound? Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Water in the, uh, in, uh, uh, in the scriptures represent the spirit. It represents the cleansing of God. Yeah, Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Can I connect the dots for the 1115 a.m. experience? It was the day of Pentecost that the Holy Ghost came and gave them power to transcend their circumstances. So now when blood and water come out of Jesus, it is literally the spirit flowing out of him to wash away every internal issue that you and I would ever deal with. See, the truth is that sometimes 12 steps ain't going to work, but sometimes it's just the Holy Ghost is going to have to wash it away. The truth is that sometimes you, it's your natural means of fixing the situation won't work. Sometimes the Holy Ghost does it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here where the Spirit just does it? You ever had something in life where the Spirit, you just say, I don't know how to have him, just the Lord? I don't know how I made it through that, just, just Jesus. He did it because when blood and water came out, the spirit flowed from him and it cleansed. Do you understand this? It cleansed. Check this out. Which means the places you're bleeding and the places you're hurting, you don't have to bleed anymore. And you know what I love about Jesus as he's having the greatest bounce back ever is we don't see him complain. We see him pause and then press. Go for him. I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to tell somebody, like, you do know I'm God? Like, do you know, like I will hurt you. Like, do you know? Like, all I got to do is turn my neck this way, and, like, you're gone. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, could you imagine? But he didn't panic. He paused. He prayed. He paused. He praised. He paused. Then he pressed. He paused. Bishop, why is this pause so important? Because as we start your bounce back set up over these next few weeks, and I encourage you not to miss a message. I need to lay foundation today. Did I lay it? Okay, as we laid the foundation today, I need you to get this, is that over these next few weeks, life is going to maybe throw some things at you that are going to try to tell you, you ain't going to bounce back. Come here, you. It's not going to work for you. And you got to just, you just got to pause. Sometimes you got to tell yourself. I was in a movie yesterday, and I, I was just in doggone about tears because the Holy Ghost, the Lord just started preaching me in the movie. And what did I, what, is, uh, what did I see? Uh, what did I see? Something. <laughs> Spider-Man. That's what I saw. I was crying in Spider-Man. Don't talk about me. Please don't. Don't start that with me. Just don't do it. I asked the Lord to tell me some stuff. <laughs> don't do it. I'm sitting up in Spider-Man, and I'm just, uh, Jamie Foxx, I'm just like, oh, Lord. I'm praying for him in the movie. <laughs> so, y'all pray for the bishop. I'm like, oh, he just, he just, he got rejection problems. He got all these issues. Lord, help him. And I'm sitting up here, I'm sitting up here, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the movie. <laughs> and other people, you know, just doing their little laughing and stuff. I'm sitting there laying hands in the name of Jesus. Because <laughs> while I'm sitting in the movie, my mind's like, come here. Stuff that ain't got nothing to do with web slinging. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen where you're trying to have a great moment, but your mind is like. And so I just sat there. I just laid hands on myself. I just said, uh uh. No, sir. No, sir. Come out of there. <laughs> and I'm crying. I'm crying in the movie, and I got notes that I'm going to use in the series. I was like, I'm going to preach that. Here's my point, Harvis. Don't panic. Because you're going to make a bad decision. Pause. Pray. Pause. Then press. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Now, that's the first thing. I only need you to get two things today. Don't let the facts be your max. Got it? And the second thing I need you to get today was don't panic. Don't panic. When you want to snap back, don't do it. When your mind says it's not going to work, don't panic. Because you are starting your bounce back tour. Effective immediately. Stand on your feet, everybody. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.